Believing Weakness Podcast. Kids are soft. You like discipline. But I've got news for you. You're not gonna have your mommy's run behind you anymore and wipe your little cushions. Oh no, it's time now to turn this mush into muscles. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. So today's podcast is going to be solely devoted to peptides. The reason why I want to do a standalone podcast on just peptides is because I have been researching these things for the past year and a half and the benefits of using them is nothing short of amazing. Uh, You know, a lot of people I feel kind of use a little bit too much gear and I feel that if a smaller amount of gear is utilized with the um, benefits of researching these peptides, you can go a lot further with what you're trying to achieve and avoid a lot of the side effects with using hormones and things of that nature. So let's go ahead and get into this and talk about what exactly are peptides. So to put it scientifically, a peptide is a naturally natu- naturally occurring sequence of amino acids, and they're joined together what's called a peptide bond to form a single molecule. Now, there are a shitload of different amino acids. So just how letters, different letters can be joined together to form a word, different amino acids can be sequenced together to form a very specific compound. Now... What I want to do is talk about three different uh, peptides today, and and I've been using many different peptides, but three of the more well-known ones. So what we're going to talk about is CJC-1295, we're going to talk about HGH fragment, and we're going to talk about IGF-LR3. So... Let's go ahead and talk about what most people know um, outside of the scientific realm as peptides. So you've probably seen these on some research chemical websites, you know, the little glass vials with the uh, little white disc in there. So what that little white disc is, it is a lyophilized powder. And what lyophilized is, is basically a fancy fucking way to say freeze-dried. So these amino acids are actually freeze-dried. And what you do is you inject the vials with a special type of water to bring that freeze-dried powdered disc back to life. The type of water, there's two different types of waters. There's bacteriostatic water, and then there is acetic acid water. Now, most of the peptides, you're going to want to use a bacteriostatic water. Now, what is bacteriostatic water? To put it very simply, it is lab-grade water mixed with a certain type of alcohol. So the type of lab-grade water, it's a medical-grade water, um, is what's also known as deionized um, medical water. Um, it's probably the cleanest, most pure uh, form of water you could probably find. And then the type of alcohol that is used with that is uh, benzyl alcohol. 
I can't remember the ratio because um, I've I've made my own bacterial static water before because it's way cheaper than buying the stuff. Um, but I think it's like point ten percent or point. I can't remember what it is, but it's not much of the benzoyl alcohol that's being put in with the water, and that is just to keep um, the microbials away and to keep your peptides clean. Now, the acetic acid water, the only types of peptides that you would want to reconstitute with those are um, your IGF-1-based um, peptides. So, like IGF-1-DES, IGF-LR3, uh, PEG-MGF, those sort of things that are based around IGF um, peptides, you'll want to use the acetic acid. Now, let's talk about what acetic acid water is. Acetic acid is the same type of acid that is in vinegar. So if you ever buy um, highly concentrated pure acetic acid, man, and you, you buy that from like a, a um, chemical company or like a, a, a med lab company or something like that, and you open that thing up, man, it is going to smell putrid, just like a heavy dose of vinegar, but even stronger. And then what they do is these acetic acid waters, they basically do 0.06% acetic acid mixed with um, the deionized water. Now, the reason why they don't add like a benzyl alcohol to it and use the acetic acid is because these IGF peptides, the, it is such a sensitive amino acid sequence that the alcohol will actually um, degrade that peptide sequence within a matter of days. That's why you hear sometimes about people buying like an IGF LR3 and it worked really good for the first couple of days, but then after a few days it was like useless. That's because it probably wasn't a shitty peptide or a bunk product. It's probably because the person that was utilizing it wasn't using the right type of water. They were probably using a uh, regular bacteriostatic water instead of the acetic acid. Now, the point of using the uh, acetic acid is that it still serves as an antibacterial and an antimicrobial uh, without denaturing the peptide sequence like a alcohol base would. So that's kind of how that works. And, you know, the math can get kind of tricky whenever you reconstitute these things. And um, really good peptide websites will actually have like molarity calculators to where you can calculate how much water to use with your, um, your, your peptides. Now, I like to keep it really fucking simple. So say you buy a um, BPC-157 healing peptide and it's dosed at um, two milligrams. What I like to do is add two milliliters to water. That way I know one milliliter of this peptide or one cc is one milligram. That way it, it just makes it easier to deal with. Um, so that's kind of how all that works. Um, you can 
stack different peptides together to get a increased uh, result based off what you're looking for. Like I know a lot of people really like to use TB500 and BPC together because they both heal um, and they get a more pronounced effect with those. So let's start off talking about CJC1295. This is probably, um, it, it's definitely one of the most well-known peptides, um, probably one of the most bought other than the two uh, healing peptides. And it's certainly the one that I research the most frequently. So CJC1295, and we're also going to talk about the DAC, the DAC, uh, and what makes the 1295 versus the 1295 DAC different from one another. So CJC, it's an analog of what's known as GHRH, which is an acronym for growth hormone releasing hormone. So growth hormone releasing hormone is actually a 44 amino acid peptide sequence. So there, that sequence has 44 different amino acids in it. And this compound is the last, uh, or it's, it's the first through the 29th isolated from the growth hormone releasing hormone. So if you're new to peptides, a lot of this was, is going to sound kind of confusing. So we'll just kind of recap that. So you've got growth hormone releasing hormone, and that sequence has 44 different amino acids in it, right? And they are, they go through a very specific sequence. So CJC1295 is actually 1 through 29 of that 44 amino sequence. Follow me so far? So why does this peptide, CJC1295, why does it exist? What is it for? Here's why it was developed. Exogenous growth hormone has several negative side effects. And CJC1295 was actually developed to negate those negative side effects while maintaining um, significant increases in growth hormone and IGF-1 levels. So what they were trying to do by develop this was basically have all of the positives of gr using exogenous growth hormone without the negatives. So what sets this uh, apart is it was actually tested on humans in two different randomized double-blind placebo-controlled studies back in 2006. And it was actually published in the Journal of Endocrinology and Metabolism. In this study, they had 66 adults ranging from 21 to 64 years old. Uh, and the studies lasted from 28 to 49 days on these participants. What did they find? They found that growth hormone increased an average of 125 fucking percent. And IGF-1 levels increased 80%. And this actually lasted, after administration, this lasted six days. These levels lasted for six days. Now, the only negative side effects that they found was irritation at the injection site. That's pretty, 
pretty significant findings and results there. Now, let's talk about what the DAC means. DAC, or DAC as many people call it, it's an acronym that stands for the Drug Affinity Complex. You see, CJC-1295 was actually developed by a company called Conjachem, and there were some issues in the development of this this peptide or drug if you want to call it and they were trying they were putting a lot of money in and research into this thing to make a superior product to replace growth hormone use you see 1295 without the drug affinity complex that Conjugate created is also known as something called mod grf or sermorellin and the issue with that is that it has a half-life of only 30 minutes. So that means that 30 minutes after injecting mod GRF, it's half it's lost half of its potency. So let's kind of recap there. You got mod GRF, um, and it is it only or you have GRF, I'm sorry. This all gets kind of confusing, but I'm trying to break it down for you guys. You have uh, GRF, which lasts for 10 minutes. Then you have mod GRF, which lasts for 30 minutes. And these are the half-lives. So what they did is they modified four different amino acids within that complex to create the drug affinity complex. And what happens when you attach the drug affinity complex is it actually increases this half-life from 30 minutes for 8 to 10 days. So you could kind of think of the drug affinity complex for you guys that use hormones and gear and understand all of that. You could kind of look at the drug affinity complex as kind of like attaching an ester group to a hormone. So the drug affinity complex would kind of be like the peptide version of adding a long chain ester, like an an anthate ester. So the 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 issue with that I feel kind of happened with CJC twelve ninety five was they put all this damn money into it, and this is kind of just my theory on it because everybody's like, well, if this thing is so damn good, and they came up with such a superior product, then why the fuck, you know, aren't they prescribing this stuff and why is this not being used over growth hormone you know because this is my theory on it why the fuck would all these pharmaceutical companies have prescriptions being done to patients for something like cjc 1295 that's relatively inexpensive like if you look on peptide websites you'll usually find a, a two to five milligram vial of CJC 1295 DAC somewhere between 30 and 60 bucks, you know, and the generalized, uh, HRT dose for CJC is, you know, between five and 600 micrograms per week. So you could buy a, uh, two milligram vial of CJC, just one two milligram vial, and it lasts you an entire month because you don't have to administer this shit like once a week for an HRT dose. And you get up in the bodybuilding doses, and it's like you know one milligram a week plus. So this stuff 
is relatively inexpensive. And in my opinion, it it's superior to using HG, exogenous HGH and a hell of a lot cheaper, a hell of a lot cheaper. So then you ask yourself, you know, for those of you wondering why the fuck aren't they prescribing it if so goddamn great? Well, here's the thing. Why would these pharmaceutical companies be telling their drug reps to prescribe something that's, you know, only costs 30 to $60 whenever they can last a month for one vial when they can have people be spending $3,000 plus a month on growth hormone? You got to follow the money trail. It's all about money. I don't think that using exogenous growth hormone is superior to 1295 DAC, but the price point for these pharmaceutical companies for prescribing HGH is superior. And that's what they're worried about at the end of the day is their bottom line because arguably they're running a business. So let's talk now about my second favorite of the um, peptides to research. HGH frag, or what's also known as fragment 176 through 191. So let's talk about why it has that name. So these numbers within these peptide names exist for a reason. And this is because HGH frag 176 through 191 is exactly that. It's the sequence of the 176 to the 191st amino acids of the growth hormone amino acid sequence. It's the very tail end of that GH sequence. So what does this thing do? FRAG imitates the way that growth hormone regulates fat metabolism, and it does it really fucking good if you get good quality HGH frag. So without the negative effects of insulin sensitivity or cellular reproduction that growth hormone has, because if you take real growth hormone, there are going to be some insulin sensitivity issues and it makes every tissue in the body, I think except for the eyes, it makes all that shit grow. So your intestines, your kidneys, your hands, all that shit grows because it causes cellular reproduction pretty much everywhere. But HGH frag, since it's an isolated part of the growth hormone sequence, it doesn't do that. It's just the part that burns fat. Now, there was a 2004 clinical study, and I've got a study number here. It is AOD9604. If you want to look this study up, and it was authored by the Diabetes and Endocrinology Research Group, okay? And they found some wild shit in this study that they had done. So this study was a three-month-long study, and they found that the lowest dose to actually be uh, the most effective in test subjects, which was between 200 and 
250 micrograms and 500 micrograms. And they found that when using fragment 176 through 191, the participants actually had 300% more fat loss than the subjects that were not taking it in the study. And they lost an average of 300 kilograms. There were no negative side effects that they found in the use of this in the study. And what's unusual um, about this compound is for you guys that are big into fat loss and fat burning uh, chemicals and all this other shit, you all probably know that most compounds and supplements and things like that do not burn fat directly. They burn fat by suppressing your appetite or jacking your metabolism through the fucking roof so you have a lot more energy to run around like a stemmed out freak. They don't actually burn fat cells by by decreasing or destroying fat cells. Rather than all the other drugs that were in the market at the time, uh, indirectly contributing to weight loss through appetite suppression, and um, one that comes to mind is phenamine, these studies actually indicated that HGH fragment 176 through 191 actually metabolize fat directly. Now, that's a big damn thing. I mean, there's only a few other compounds that I know of that would burn fat directly, um, and there aren't many of them. You know, things like GC1 kind of come to mind, but it kind of does that through stimulating the the thyroid receptors. Carterin does that, but again, it kind of does that indirectly by the way that the metabolism works. So HGH frag 176 through 191, it's a very, very unusual compound because a lot of folks that research um, fat burning (laughs) chemicals, you know, they're using some wild shit that's really not good for you, like, you know, clenbuterol and shit like that, and all, you know, stemming their self into oblivion and stuff, and, you know, using high doses of trend, and nothing will ever compare to trend, but I'm just saying, for you guys researching the more unhealthy compounds, look into using HGH frag, and especially for you guys that are just researching uh, exogenous uh, GH for the fat uh, metabolism aspects of it, man, look into this stuff because it's a hell of a lot cheaper and it gets right to the fucking point without all the negative side effects. Now, one thing that I will tell you is that a good quality HGH frag is kind of difficult to find. Um, and it's a very unusual um, peptide because it's the only peptide that I know of um, that whenever you reconstitute it, it isn't, you know, the quality stuff isn't clear. You know, most peptides, when you reconstitute it, it needs to be a very clear, pure-looking product. Um, HGH frag, you know, I've talked to some friends that are chemists and in the research chemical industry, and talk to them about, you know, why, you know, I've asked them questions like, 
why the hell is it that, you know, a lot of HGH frags are always fake or bunk, you know, or they look like shit and they look contaminated. And I've been told, well, here's the thing with HGH frag. Quality HGH frag should actually be somewhat cloudy looking because that amino acid sequence is actually very hydrophobic, which if you don't know what the difference between hydrophobic and hydrophilic is, hydrophilic means water loving. Hydrophobic means, literally means scared of water. And my understanding of HGH fragment is it is very hydrophobic. It does not like water very much. So that's why it's kind of cloudy. And, you know, again, make sure you got good quality peptides because there's a difference between contaminated and cloudy because it's hydrophobic. So that's HGH frag. All right, so what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a real quick break and get a word in for some of the sponsors for today's podcast, and we're going to come back in talk about a few more compounds. Today's podcast is sponsored by Swiss Chems. Now, Swiss Chems is a company that is dedicated to bringing the highest quality of peptides, PCT compounds, and male enhancement pills at the lowest price to its customers all over the world. This company is also really kind of on the forefront with what's possible with some of these research chemicals because they're actually dabbling in um, like these injectable SARM type compounds and also doing nano emulsifications. And, you know, this is the company that I trust to get my pet, my amino peptides from. So if you guys are interested in any of those sort of compounds, go to SwissChems.com. And we also have a promo code for them, which is leaving weakness 11. And that will actually get you 11% off anything on their website. So again, that's SwissChems.com. Promo code leaving weakness 11, leaving weakness 11, get you 11% off anything on their web store. Now, we're going to talk now about the king of peptides. And when I talk, mention the king of peptides, I'm talking about IGF LR3. So, this is the one that everybody is always trying to, to hunt down and find the real quality stuff. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, it's kind of hard to find good quality um, IGF-1 LR3. But let's go ahead and talk about it. So, insulin-like growth factor 1 LR3. It has an insulin-like effect because it can actually uh, drop blood sugar levels. Um, because insulin's job is to push glucose and amino acid into muscle tissue and help repair and grow tissue, which is also called hyperplasia. But this isn't really the reason why the pharmaceutical companies developed this. So, Incrolex, as some of you guys know, is the pharmaceutical brand of IGF-1. And it was actually... The, developed because they were having the, these issues with these kids with growth uh, hormone issues and they were having this issue called like pituitary dwarfism, right? And they were trying to help blast the bone receptors with a large enough amount, large enough amount 
to signal growth. But apparently, what they found out is that using IGF for the purpose, for that purpose, actually worked better uh, because they were giving these kids all this growth hormone, right? And they found out that it wasn't the growth hormone that was actually helping them. It was the IGF levels being raised through the growth hormone use. But the problem was that the IGF one only stays active for like 20 minutes because of these things that are in your body body called binding proteins. Um, And these binding proteins, their job, my understanding, is to literally see like foreign things and deactivate them very quickly and render them ineffective. So scientists added a chemical group to the IGF-1 to try and prevent the binding proteins from degrading it so damn quick. And this was the first time they made it was um, that product, uh, IGF-1 DES. And, you know, it worked okay. Um, My understanding is it would only last for like 30 or 45 minutes and you had to kind of like use it in like the exact area of the body that you wanted to grow and all this shit. So, you know, you kind of have to utilize it with the growth hormone and it gets really fucking complex. But they added these three side groups to it, uh, these long R3 chains or, or whatever. And they found out that doing this helped avoid the binding proteins for like 20 hours. And here's the thing. Um, with the LR3, you know, they, they didn't develop this shit for bodybuilders and all this stuff and people using research chemicals and all that. They, they developed it for kids with pituitary dwarfism because they didn't want to have to keep giving these kids these huge blasts of IGF DES every 30 or 45 minutes. They wanted something that, you know, they could give to them and it would stay active in the body for like an entire day. But, you know, bodybuilders and um, chemical researchers and stuff always have a way of finding finding these really exotic compounds and using it to their advantage. But the, the thing with the LR3, not only does it not, it can't be reconstituted with the acetic acid water, or it has to be reconstituted with the acetic acid water. It can't be used with regular bacteriostatic water. But I'm telling you this from my experience, and most people will tell you this, there comes a point of diminishing returns with LR3 that the receptors actually downgrade and it doesn't work as well after four weeks. So, you know, you can't just be, well, I mean, theoretically, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do, but you can't expect the same results by using this shit for an entire year because the body becomes very desensitized to it. Um, So, you know, like four-week cycles is kind of what bodybuilding lore kind of, you know, says, you know, use it for four weeks, then come off for a while. Now, because of the way that 
IGF binds to the insulin receptors, you're going to, it can lower blood sugar levels and fuck with your potassium levels and all that stuff. So I can tell you that whenever I personally research this with my lab rat, um, the bodybuilding lore about LR3 being like this unicorn compound, if you get the real stuff, it's fucking true. Use the acetic acid water and use it. I think I, whenever I was messing with it, I was doing like 40 micrograms a day. Not much. It does not take much. And man, dude, I had some of the best gains I've ever had and some of the best results I've ever had. Um, you know, a friend of mine said that, you know, within a couple of weeks, you know, I literally changed the way that I looked. Um, but there were some negatives with this actual peptide that I experienced. You know, I've never had any negative issues with using the HRT dosages of the CJC DAC, um, using like 500, five, 500 to 600 micrograms a week. Never had any issues on the HGH frag, um, cause I'm use like 500 micrograms of that, you know, fasted for great fat burning. Never had any issues with TB, BPC, none of that shit. But I have had issues with LR3. And here's the main issue. Cramps. Like you get that like bad fucking Charlie horse issue. Um, because, and I think it's because of the way that, you know, IGF fucks with your potassium levels. Now, I found that supplementing with an extra large dose of potassium really helped uh, mitigate some of those cramps after a while, but they would still kind of come on. And the other thing was, I'm not a real big carb eater. You know, I, I've kind of liked the low glycemic carbs like sweet potatoes and stuff like that. And, um, but whenever I was using the LR3, God damn, guys, I was fucking going batshit crazy for carbs. And, you know, obviously, why? Because it fucks with your blood sugar levels. Um, I mean, I was, like, waking up in the middle of the night, eating sugary shit like I couldn't control myself. So this is one of those compounds that I think that someone that really wants to grow um, would want to utilize. Um, maybe not someone that's on a really strict diet trying to cut or anything like that. I don't think, my personal opinion, this is not one of those compounds that's really good for like a, an athlete um, that needs to be, you know, in, in great condition for like running and stuff like that. I feel like this is one of those compounds that's going to be best utilized for people that are bodybuilding you know, or need to bulk up to look fucking huge and put on a lot of mass in like a four-week time frame. Um, and I, just, I say that just because the, you know, those hard gainers that need to eat a lot of food and eat lots of carbs and shit, this is going to be one of those compounds that's going to be worth your while if you use it correctly. Um, you guys dieting and stuff or trying to watch your weight, you know, man, <laughs> I caution you on using this stuff because this shit will have you fucking raiding the fridge in the middle of the night and craving food you normally would not eat. But the guys that can't get enough food in them to gain muscle and stuff, or if you're like some skinny little fuck that needs to put on the mass, you know, 
and struggle to do it, this is one of those things for you. But it is a very advanced uh, peptide. Um, so probably not the best one to start out with because uh, the the way you use it is kind of more on the advanced side. And I'll tell you who's got a really good uh, bit of information on this is old Dave Palumbo. So if you get on YouTube and type in uh, Dave Palumbo um, IGF, there's a really good video where he breaks down the different types of IGF. Um, and he, he was kind of like the pioneer in using all these IGF things. Um, and he, he really gives a good breakdown of that. And I, of course, I'm not going to lie. I got some of my beginning information before I started using this stuff. I've got a lot of my information from him. Uh, but he definitely explains it better than I can because he's like one of the first guys that ever used it for, you know, the fitness purposes. So there, those are three of the most well-known, uh, peptides. You know, I've had my, my own experience with them. Um, we're going to talk more about peptides in the future because, uh, this is only scratching the surface of peptides and there are a lot of them out there. But in order not to overwhelm you guys, I don't want to talk about 50 damn different peptides in one episode. I just want to talk about two or three at a time and then let you guys check it out and figure out if it's something for you and your lab rat. Of course, I will tell you, I am a fucking crazy person and you all should never do any of the stuff that I do uh, because I'm insane and I don't know shit from Shinola. And uh, peptides are research chemicals not to be used on human beings or animals. Um, and I'm nuts, so don't listen to me. <laughs> but they're cool to research, and you guys should check it out. Until next time, guys, um, take it easy, and we'll talk more about peptides again in the future.